welcome to your local Christian podcast, where a couple of casual theologians talk about the Word and the world. Please lend us your ears, and we will do our best to avoid heresy. I'm Zach. And I'm Andrew. This is Just a Christian Podcast. How's it going, guys? Hey, it's going pretty well. Landon, I guess you're not mic'd up, so you can't really respond to that question. But uh, thumbs up if you're doing okay. Nice. That was a thumbs up, you For guys. For the studio audience. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm doing great. It's kind of exciting to be back here for week two. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm much excited. Honestly, the weights, the weights are the worst part. The time in between. Yeah. And lifting weights. Can't do that either. Well, yeah, that's why I don't. I don't lift. I don't even lift, bro. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I used to. There was a day where I used to be strong. Yeah. Uh, any new developments? Seems like... Um, the new place. How's that going? Oh yeah. Well, that's what we're in right now. And, uh, I think it's treating us well. Yeah. It's way the, better than the, the last one. The house school. I've got a grill now, my own grill. So I made steaks not too long ago and they were baller. I made a, uh, what's it called when you like, you know, dip your steak in butter before you grill it. Anyways, wow. I did a garlic butter that I, uh, uh, just, dunked it into after seasoning everything threw it on there and uh they came out wonderful uh my friend caleb hopefully he's listening to this right now um uh enjoyed them with me because my wife does not eat steak she wow. she she is not really a fan of red meats she does like pork but that's more of a recent development her palate is uh developing it's evolving yeah. Her palate is getting better. That is, that's it's getting better, so now she likes pork. That's super fun. And I see you've got some new arm art. Yes. Uh, what's that all about? I got my first tattoo. Uh, it's something I've wanted for years now. I learned about what the triquetra or the tricetra or trinity knot, um, for a more simple term, uh, means. And it's just uh, it's a symbol that Christians have used for, um, I want to say, give or take a thousand years. Um, to uh, just symbolize the Trinity, just mm-hmm. as a as a symbol of what it is, not to say exactly what it is, right. uh, or try and give a, a bad analogy, but it just it's just a helpful, cool visual where you can see three distinct um, three distinct shapes of some shapes, sort, yeah, yeah, within one one exact and whole shape. So, mm-hmm. um, kind of like symbolizing three persons, one being. Um, god right the godhead so and i have the shema in hebrew um going around uh, the arm connecting back to the tricetra um says uh hero israel the lord is god the lord is one uh kind of just tying it all back around that um our god is triune but our god is one yeah what Uh, so the shema is uh a bible verse yeah it's um deuteronomy i should probably know exactly where it is but it's it's deuteronomy six four and five i want to say um and it says should i say it in hebrew feel free but just don't spit on the microphone (laughs) i probably will uh it says uh it says shema yisrael adonai elohenu adonai echad ve'ahavta et adonai elohecha bechol levavcha uvechol nafshecha and that wow. says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is God, the Lord is one, mm-hmm. and you shall love the Lord your God and remind with all me, your soul, with all your heart, and with all your strength. Just remind me to never use that mic again with all the phlegm <laughs> that was needed for 
for those pronunciations. I think it sounds cool, man. I think it sounds cool too. <laughs> I, I really do. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's update for me. I'm pretty I'm pretty hy- hyped about it. I like the way it uh, it came out. Um, I'm in the peeling process now, so that's gross. But uh, soon it will be a finished a finished arm. Wow. Yeah. There's actually here's a little secret. There's actually six words missing from that, and it's with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That's actually missing from the piece, mm. and that's gonna uh, that's my next tattoo. Nice. It's gonna go at the bottom. So it doesn't say the whole thing, but I can say the whole thing. So that's super that's fun. All that matters. <laughs> well, well, let's uh, jump into the actual. Uh, goal and content for this episode. Yeah, probably too much time on a tattoo. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever. People like us, probably. I hope so. And if not, they will get to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but but we were just kind of hoping um, after a long year, I would say, uh, <clears throat> of just trying to learn some new some new ways of enjoying the church and yeah. and loving the church and even in in some ways learning more about what the church is and how it's meant to function in a world um, that throws new things at us all the time. Um, I think we were just kind of hoping to talk today about uh, why we even would hope to belong to a church, um, why we would hope to be unified with the church and maybe start with what even is a church and especially the one that we belong to. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So the first question I think would be, I, it would have to be, what's a church? Mm-hmm. Um, and so Zach, what is a church? What is a, what does that church? word even mean? Uh, well, the word is never um, existent in Greek, obviously, but there is a word that transliterates over into German, which transliterates over into English, um, mm. which is uh, ecclesia, and that word is most easily understood as a gathering, mm. uh, a gathering of people. Mm-hmm. So then the church is just people assembled. For sure. So I think that you 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 brought up that we've for a year now kind of been learning about what the church is and one of the common things that i hear is that the church was never buildings and this is in you know during the pandemic where we're not allowed to meet indoors you know we see a lot of outdoor gatherings a lot more online campus push things like that and i am curious what did that look like then in like the early church? You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. what did people gathered in the early church look right. like? Was it in buildings, et cetera? Right. Yeah. Our, our church on the website you pointed out um, when we talked about this even says that, right? Mm-hmm. It says uh, the church was never buildings, mm-hmm. right? And I think uh, what's kind of cool to consider, and we're going through Acts right now, kind of in the beginning of it with mm-hmm. our church or pastors mm-hmm. teaching on it, which is uh, great timing, I think, just for all of us to consider the kind of things that church should be. But yeah, in those times, the generation following Jesus's resurrection and and so forth, right? There, were, there weren't exactly buildings which were created for the purpose mm-hmm. of gathering Christians. Right. Um, we live in a time where that is common, where that's not exactly surprising 
Um, but at that time, and with a, a new a new people developing and a new ecclesia to consider, which is this Christian group um, mm-hmm. that is intending on following Christ, yeah, they didn't have buildings specifically designed for what they were doing. Um, and one aspect of why they wouldn't do that is because it was kind of a bad idea <laughs> for for them to do that um, because there weren't a lot of people who were very sympathetic towards the the message of the Christians. Um, there weren't a lot of people who were extremely excited about what Christians were mm-hmm. or what they were doing or the person whom they were mm-hmm. worshiping. And putting a, a big cross on your door or, mm-hmm. you know, on the top of your building and saying, here's where all the Christians are, you know, that wasn't exactly a wise move. It'd and, be like yeah. putting yourself right in the crosshairs of a of a scope so that you get killed. <laughs> See what I did there? We saw, <laughs> but I just... I, <laughs> Yes, hey, that was as good. that was excellent. That was yeah. excellent, and yeah. and obviously, you know, a cross wasn't even really the um, the symbol of the church at that time. You know, it's developed um, for good reasons, but uh, yeah, you're right. That yeah. would that would have been putting a big target on here's where to find us. Early Christians were like underground covert ops missionaries spreading the gospel in public places but gathering together in private spaces for sure yeah Yeah. exactly and it's important to make that distinction too because it wasn't that they were necessarily always hunted i mean we like Mm -hmm. to focus on that because it's it's a beautiful thing that they were persecuted overcame those persecutions persecutions because their convictions were strong Mm -hmm. Um, it's a beautiful thing they weren't always persecuted there were there were seasons of persecution mm. which were heavy and there were seasons of persecution which were light and you know maybe mocking and, and I, um, I actually derogatory think that, that kind of carries through uh, the church's history mm-hmm. you see that a lot we're we are in a time where our church is ben- has benefited from and so you can see a church like every block or whatever depending yeah. on what state yeah. you're in at least mm-hmm. right you, you you grow up in the bible belt or something then you you you're very comfortable seeing churches, um, but it's not the buildings, it's the people together. And so I think that the people together is really what we're kind of getting at in this episode. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's to take us further into a conversation, which I think is, uh, largely about unity. Um, it's not solely about unity, but largely about unity. And so I think it would be helpful for us to just maybe look at some some scripture, some passages that talk about unity, talk about the church meeting together. And so I'm going to read Hebrews 10, verses 23 through 27. Here I go. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Verse 26. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Dang, man. Intense. It is intense. That's an intense going on there. At first glance, it really looks intense that like, if you don't go to church, you're going to hell. <laughs> it's kind of what it looks like. But I do think uh, just an important 
just I don't want to I don't really actually want to spend time responding to that passage here. Mm-hmm. So what I'm just gonna say I'd, I'd rather spend more time on the uh, meeting together part. But for sure, if we go on sinning deliberately, having receiving having received the knowledge of the truth, then there no longer remains a uh, a sacrifice for sin. So that's that that, that that's dealing with like some salvific type um, uh, issues. I would say that verse alone, don't worry about that too much this episode, listeners. Consider that text in light of all the other texts that mm-hmm. deal with salvation. Right. And just think about what what does it really mean for someone to deliberately go on sinning, knowing better, having received knowledge of the truth. And just think if like does that does that resemble what a Christian is? Does that resemble somebody who when we talked about what's a Christian yeah. in a, in episode uh two, um does that really resemble someone who's had their heart changed? Right. I think I think once we discuss the positive example, which is the first few verses there, it'll make that negative example a little bit more uh, contextualized. But yeah, of course, we should always look to the clearest texts when we're trying to understand any specific topic. This is not exactly the clearest text when it's talking about salvation, yeah. when we're attempting to understand what mm-hmm. salvation is and how you achieve it. But it does have something to say about salvation, so we should at least yeah, uh, yeah make sure to include that. Mm-hmm. But I think we're good on that on mm-hmm. that front. I do I, I do want to emphasize uh, really at verse twenty five, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more uh, encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Right. So, guys, don't neglect to meet together. Some people do this. Don't do that. Instead, right, but, he uses that word but, encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Yeah, I think even uh, if you reverse all the way to the top of that, verse 23, let us hold fast. This is not um, something that's brand new. You know, it's obviously something that they're practicing currently because he's saying, we'll continue to do this. And he's exhorting them. He's giving them an encouragement. This is something that's good that we're doing. We should continue to do it. Right. And it's very important. Um, so what is that confession? It is that he who promised is faithful and that we should let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet, right? Mm-hmm. This is like, a, there's a whole a line of things that he says we're doing this right now. Mm-hmm. You are doing this right now. Don't stop it because, boy, is it important. Um, I, I I love that there's there's all of those little us's put in there. He's not just talking to one person. I think sometimes hmm. we think about church as um, something that we go to in order to get something from. I, I know a lot of people that I've talked to in my life who say they just feel so much better after being at church. And so, you know, that's why they want to go back next Sunday because it's like something that feeds them spiritually. And that is important to understand. I think yeah, no that's doubt. part of this verse. But the other intention is to say there's more than just you involved in this ceremony that we are practicing. There's more than just you involved. And it's very, very important that you consider the other people around you when you're thinking about your church and how you actually have an effect on them. You play a role in their faith and in their uh, lifting up and in, in, in their encouragement, right? 
Absolutely. And honestly, I think that's, that's such an important um, thing to hear at this time. Again, going back to COVID, staying at home, uh, you know, shelter in place, church online, these things. I don't think that there's actually anything wrong with having online services, all these things. That's not the point I'm going to make here um, because that's not the position I would want to take anyways. But I do think that there's something important for us to, to get that the gathered body is not an individualistic thing. So, so if, if we, if we presuppose our, our worldview in individualistic just mindset or whatever, the church doesn't make a lot of sense sometimes mm-hmm. unless it, it's very, maybe has great entertainment value or very motivational sermons or something like that. The church exists for the people of God being together and really exists for God. Mm-hmm. And so um, if God has ordained that people gather together, it's for specific purposes. And I think one of those great purposes is unity. Yeah. And it makes me think about like the spiritual gifts. What you read about spiritual gifts is that uh, they exist to build each other up, right? Like, like build each other up, build each other up, build each other up. That happens when you gather together, mm-hmm. right? So, um, you know, uh, we, 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 we call the church like the body or whatever, right? And we've talked about different, different parts to a body, you know, the, the eye isn't the foot and the foot isn't the, the, the hand, etc. We have different, there's different parts to a body, but the eye can't say to the hand, like, I don't need you or whatever, you know what I'm saying? And so there's, there's purpose in this unifying process. And in addition to unity, I actually want to say, because I think this is a good place to mention this. I think that the building up of the church is not solely for the purpose of unity, which it is. Mm-hmm. That is a good, important function. It's something we're talking about. It's important. But also is actually, I think, sanctification. Mm-hmm. I think that's an important element to the church's existence. It's God ordaining that I'm going to make you more like me. I'm going to transform you into my image through the gathered body right? because you're going to be building each other up. Yeah. And so when you don't meet together, it's not just you suffering. It's God's people too. I would 100% uh, be on board with that idea. And I, I think that this is why verse 26 and 27 are connected here because the reality is that the lack of gathering or the lack of unity or the the distance from the flock that you are placing between yourself when you when you don't regularly meet with these people when you don't regularly uh, return to them in order to encourage them in their faith is that sanctification which is a an ongoing process of salvation in our mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. actually is affected by the lack of unity, by the lack of encouragement, by the lack of um, you and the other belonging to each other in the body of Christ and building each other up according to your gifts, like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it, which when you see it that way, man, doesn't it, it really does make 26 and 27 just make so much sense. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, that's what it's saying there. Yeah. Yeah. Like God's going to keep you, preserve you. He's going to preserve his people. He's going to sanctify them. 
he's going to complete the good work that he began in them. And the primary mode that he does that is through the gathering of his people. Yeah. No, there's, there's a song and there's a saying, no man is an island. Mm. Why is that important for us to understand? Because if you stand alone on your own, you are you are missing out on the fortification that God has built around you and that he has provided for you, which is the church of Christ, Christ being the head and you being a member of that body. You're missing out on it. You're standing over there on your own, attempting to fight off what is a dangerous and deceptive and devilish world. And you're doing it by yourself and inherently, by you doing it by yourself, you're actually taking away from the others as well. Yeah. Yeah, man. Dude, that's so good. And I actually think that's a great chance for us to transition here. This brings us to really the next thing we wanted to, to kind of riff on here, which is uh, Acts 2, day of Pentecost. Zach, take us away. Yeah, I love this text. This is probably the one that we're going to share, which is verses 42 through 47 in chapter 2 there. This is one of my favorite places to go uh, in order to understand what a church does that is so uh, valuable, and why Paul in whoever wrote Hebrews, sorry, <laughs> why whoever wrote Hebrews uh, is... You can say Paul. I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm not confident in that answer. Um, why whoever wrote Hebrews is you can exhorting say us to be together. Sorry. I am not saying anybody. Just say Luke writing Paul's sermon. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You're really trying to get us some nasty emails, aren't you? I know. I'm kidding. It, they're jokes. <laughs> it's, it's okay. Oh, man. Well, anyways, so <laughs> sorry. one of the great things is that this text shows us just, just what to do in order to provide the value and the encouragement and the building up that we were talking about before. Right. It's contextually the, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on the, you know, the Christians who have been waiting for Jesus to do something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for like 10 days. Yeah. yeah. They, they run out into the streets, speaking in the languages of all of the people who are gathered literally from just around the known world. People who are from different cultures, different backgrounds, mm. they're speaking in the languages of other people. And what are they saying? They're saying the gospel. Yeah, there's like a dozen types of people listed earlier in Acts chapter mm-hmm. 2. It's crazy. There's a lot of people. It there. is whack. And, and and so Peter goes on this like really rip-roaring sermon. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says some really convicting things and it's it's so evident that these people have sinned against God. They have missed out on Christ, the the Messiah. And they're, they repent, they're baptized, and then what do they do? What do these Christians, who are now Christians, uh, decide to do? Well, here we go. Verse 42, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. 
and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. It's this whole list of things that we practice even 2,000 years later. Yeah. I mean, how incredible is it to just think like we're in the tradition (laughs) of the church just by sitting here and reading what the apostles decided to write to us. It's, it's kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. Like it gets me excited. Like I'm just like, I can't help but smile as you bring that up. Like, dang, I like churches doing church is evidence of God's like working. Honestly, like mm-hmm. this is a 2000 year old practice that happened in the little, just a little place on, on, on the earth, like on the map, yeah. you could point to it. It would have been Jerusalem, uh, where this, where this uh, day of Pentecost, or like the, this pouring out, it happened, or whatever. Mm-hmm. This this little place on the map starts with 120 disciples, or whatever. Ten days after Jesus' ascension, turns to 3,000. They devote themselves to really the gathering, the the, the apostles' teaching, yeah, eating together, being together. And it exploded Mm -hmm. to, well, there's, you know, some two billion professing Christians today. And that's just, man, that's just God doing work. That's God bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. If it wasn't important, why would God continue to insist that his people do the same things for two millennia? Yeah. If it wasn't important, why would this tradition that we are a part of and that we uphold and that we continue to be engaged in, uh, why would it have lasted this long and also brought so many people closer with Christ, sanctified them? This this is important. Not only is it important, it's beautiful, and it's God-ordained, and we've been doing it for a long stinking time. Uh, We talked earlier about these periods of time where the church was persecuted, these periods of time where the church was uh, reviled. But we don't often focus on there's another perception of the Church of Christ that should be happening. There's another perception of the Church of Christ that um, will be happening if we are practicing the kind of things that these early Christians are practicing. And it's that people around you notice how much you love each other. Mm. People around you actually notice what kind of community you have and what kind of gathering it is Mm -hmm. and what kind of faith and building up and how you take care of each other. I mean, it's not just supposed to be something that happens that builds you all up, but it also is something that God is building from all people, right? We're we're a, a, a light shining mm-hmm. on a hill, on a hill in yeah. a dark place, and that is supposed to be attractive and draw others out of the dark towards the light, right? right? Yeah. All of these actions build something beautiful, hmm. and that beautiful thing, as these people were experiencing, saves people day by day, hmm. right? I yeah. think that that's, that's an incredible thing to think about. Like, why would someone want to join with a church that is made fun of? Why would someone want to join with a church that is um, 
you know, prosecuted and by law, mm-hmm. why would a ch- why would yeah. someone want to join with a church that is persecuted in the culture? Well, because they love each other so much that it doesn't actually matter, and that outweighs everything else. Because the theological reasons that they're there start to become evident in the practical things that they're doing for each other. Hmm. Right. That's good. That's good right there. You just said the theological reasons of why they're there start to become evident in the practical, uh, in the, in the practical ways that mm-hmm. they're. Uh, I don't know what you how you ended that, but but yeah. bottom line is. Man, that's good. <laughs> uh, Didn't plan it. <laughs> well, that's just a li- then that just means you get that for free. That's great. Listeners, that was free. That's on the house. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so what you, what you say there, though, it does make me have to ask a question. Mm-hmm. I think we're in a season as, as the church where... There are a lot of ideas, and I don't think necessarily that all of them are overtly right or overtly wrong, although I do think there are some more right things than others, but let me get to what I'm saying. We're in a time where there are a lot of reasons that uh, the church is the church, okay? There are a lot of, I think, explanations or ideas for why does our church exist? Why does our church exist? And I think that you, you, we're in a time where you can hear a lot of different answers. Mm-hmm. And it makes me want to ask you, having, having read this text, clearly seeing that one of the big things, as you just described, is, is there's, there's a practical love for each other that is drawing people to their numbers, right? So then, do you think that the church exists and is the church only when it exists for others? So the church is the church only when it exists for others. Mm -hmm. Because this is actually something that I'm not just pulling this out of my out of my hat or whatever, pulling, you know, I'm not just drawing on this myself. This is a this is a real thing. Like, does the church exist in its essence? For other people, what does the church exist for? Mm-hmm. Can we answer that question decisively, conclusively? Mm-hmm. So, what would you say? Uh, yeah, I would say um, no. No, it doesn't exist for other people. However much we may see the results being, the results of the true church gathered are other people see and are saved. Mm. But the purpose is not people being saved. It's Christ being glorified. Mm. He is the reason that everyone is there, and he is the focus of everyone who is there. And because he loves the people that he has drawn out of the world, you love the people who he has drawn out of the world. And because you take care of each other so well, because you know that Christ loves you and you know that Christ loves your brother and your sister, others see that. Hmm. You don't exist for those others to see that, but it just it's it's natural to the spirit to draw others like a moth towards a flame, right? No, we don't exist for others. I don't I don't believe that we exist for others. But I am so excited and overjoyed every time a lost sheep is found. Hmm. 
and what an amazing role we get to play in it by just loving each other that ends up happening hmm dang man wow that is the theological being demonstrated in a practical way i hope so as you so oh man okay 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 so basically the church exists to glorify christ mm-hmm. christ is glorified when the people whom christ has saved love each other because they have been saved by Christ. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, others are added and drawn in to this love for each other that only comes from knowing that they have been redeemed and called to love. For sure. By Christ. Yeah. So it's not... an. There's an order of operations, in a sense, Mm -hmm. of how this happens. It is not that... We love each other first, and then in doing so, uh, like Christ will will love us and save us or something like that, but that because Christ has loved us and saved us, we love each other. Mm-hmm. And man, that's exciting and powerful <sighs> and so powerful, right? Why do, you, why do you think the early church was filled with slaves? And filled with orphans and widows. Hmm. Why was it filled with people who were needy? Because they saw that is a place where those people care for each other. And through that care, I mean, it's extended to whoever is going to ask. That's that's what Christ says. He mm-hmm. says, ask and you will receive. Mm-hmm. He says, knock and the door will be open to you. He's saying that I will become your Savior when you realize that you need me. And I mean, it's so easy to realize you need Jesus mm-hmm. when you have physical <laughs> needs. Mm-hmm. Um, those spiritual needs become evident when you see the physical needs being fulfilled in the church of Christ. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's, a, it's a long way of, of saying the church focuses on the needs of the church, but it's because of that that other people realize, like, God can fill my needs as well. So I guess to answer the question, what we've just said is the church doesn't exist for others. It exists for Christ. But by existing for Christ, it does its best work in saving others. Oh, for sure. Not that the church saves others. Let me just make that distinction. We don't save people, right? God saves God alone. Mm -hmm. Salvation is the Lord's, belongs to the Lord. But that the numbers are added to the church when we exist for Christ, which is played out and and sort of worked out in the way that we love each other. Yeah. So doesn't exist for others, but it sure does look like it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It better. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's big time. Yeah. I think what's what's really cool and we should we should definitely go into this is that there is a goal in the church. You know, we're not necessarily meant to practice this uh, this kind of thing for just our lifetime, but we're meant to practice this kind of thing for all of eternity. Mm. And so I just want to like get into a little bit of a picture of what that actually looks like in scripture, what, what kind of picture is painted. So we should jump over to Revelation. Um, we'll, we'll check out chapter 5. 
we'll probably start in verse 9 because this is a picture of where this is all headed, right? We're not we're not just meant to be a church here on earth. We're meant to bring the kingdom mm-hmm. to earth. Mm-hmm. And Christ is doing that mm-hmm. in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, one day he'll do it for for all. So here we are in Revelation. We've got chapter 5 going on. It's a lot of uh, confusing language that is uh, important to understand is prophetic, right? So the same way that in the times of Christ, Isaiah would have been a little bit obscured uh, and very interesting, like before Christ comes comes to fulfill prophecy, the people who are reading this prophecy think, wow, what's that going to look like? We're looking at Revelation the same way, like, man, what is that going to look like? It's a little confusing and it's a little bit... uh, obscure, but that's only because it hasn't been fulfilled yet. Sure. When it comes, we're going to be like, wow, that's what he was talking about? That's super cool. Awesome. <laughs> but uh, we should we should meditate on it, and we should attempt to understand what Christ is doing. So I'm just going to read verse 9. Chapter 5 has talked about the lamb, the lamb who was slain, shorthand for Jesus, of course, but he's seated on the throne. He is opening the scroll, which no one else can open, and the people and the host of heaven is around him singing a new song, which is, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. No one is alone in heaven. Mm. So we've pretty much gotten that out of the way from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And what's incredible about heaven is that the barriers between the nations as we have them now, um, languages as we have now, peoples and governmental systems as we have them now, will not be issues in the future, Mm. will not be issues in the kingdom that God is building. So the thing that God is building through our church, through our eyes focused on him, together, unified, in his glory, and the love that he grows in us for each other, he continues to build something that is greater than any of the governments in this world, any of the kingdoms in this world, any of the the powerful people in this world are capable of building. It's something where all of the bad flavor that we have now, the hurt and the sickness and the pain, the the poor and the outcast and the disenfranchised, those do not exist in this kingdom that he's building. And this kingdom that he's building, a people saved through the blood of the lamb, you can't get it any other way. It comes through Christ. It is built, and it's exactly what you, you, you see all of these false Christs in the world right now attempting to build. Mm-hmm. We want to get rid of the poor. Mm-hmm. We want to make everyone an equal. We want to do all of the things mm-hmm. that Christ is saying, hey, if you just looked at me, you would realize that I am the catalyst. Mm-hmm. I am the one who saves. I am the one who builds a people. So our churches should be an example to the world that no one can do this except for Christ. Hmm. 
the church demonstrates that Christ is the one to really bring heaven to earth, Mm -hmm. which means the church ought to be doing that. If we're demonstrating that Christ does it, we sure ought to be his, he's, he's chosen that the way he does that is through the the church, through Mm -hmm. his bride. Mm -hmm. And it also means we have work to do. Yeah. It means we've got a lot of work. Right. It means that the church doesn't sit idly. They're sitting on their hands. It means that we work, we work with the gospel message that he's given us. We bring all the nations, all the tongues, all the people. Doesn't matter where they're from, what they look like, right? Doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, male or female, you're all you're all to hear the gospel message, which is the kingdom of heaven mm-hmm. is here. Mm-hmm. And believe in Christ. Yeah. Repent and believe in Christ. And this is what transforms the earth. This is how God brings heaven to earth. Uh, He will finally make a new heaven and new earth. We look to that day, but there's work that we're doing in the in the in in the midst which is an ongoing transformation, actually. We, we are bringing heaven to earth right now, and Christ, when he comes, consummates it com- and, and completes it. Mm-hmm. And that should be the most exciting and motivating and driving thing for the church. We gather, we care for each other, and that's a primary mode in how we uh, bring the kingdom of, of heaven to earth. Yeah. Those things will be gone one day, and they will be gone because of the work that Christ does through his church, the saving work that Christ does through his church. I mean, he, he chooses us as a means of bringing that kingdom. I don't think that I'm a perfect vessel <laughs> of, that, of that message, and I don't think that I'm um, exactly like, like, God, couldn't you have chosen someone better, smarter, more articulate, uh, more useful with more skills and with more, uh, I, I don't know, just qualifications. Qualifications. Yeah, of course. Yeah, he could have, but he, he's called us, mm-hmm. you and I, and old Landon Brown, the mm-hmm. producer, producer Landon to do something that is unique. Mm-hmm. And, and he calls all of our listeners if they have taken upon themselves the cross which Christ has borne, he calls them to do a unique work as well. Mm-hmm. For they are indeed members of this same body mm-hmm. uh, th- that is bringing the kingdom here. So to summarize and wrap and conclude, belong to a church and belong to a church that loves its church mm-hmm. because of their love for Christ right. and does work gospel-centered work, gospel-centered work that adds numbers, not because of uh, the skill set in being a great orator or having all the reasons why someone should believe, but is faithful. They love people. They love Jesus. um, And it's demonstrated in how they love each other and trust that God will add the numbers to that church. Mm -hmm. So we hope this was encouraging. There were some I think some some really valuable things that I even am going to be able to think about 
learn from even in this conversation with you, Zach. So, so tune in Friday to continue our conversation, not really continue it, but, uh, add to it as we, um, talk about scripture. We do a lot of scripture referencing on this podcast. Why should we even do that? What authority should scripture have in our lives? We're going to talk about that. You can contact us at justachristianpodcast at gmail.com or message us on Instagram, Facebook, etc. And a special thanks to Cool Uncle, a.k.a. Tyler Gannett, for producing this awesome song for us. You can find him on, uh, on Spotify at Cool Uncle. Shout out to Evan. Shout out to Johnny. We appreciate you guys.